Hold please. The naked golfist now driving. Welcome to another edition of the Knackered Golfist podcast. I am your host, the Knackered Golfist. Hope you're doing well. It is the end of the week here. Um, I'd say it's the second week of, or probably the third week of January 2021. And Jack Nicholas, I have a few things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, Jack Nicholas turned 81 today. Not today, he turned 81 yesterday. Let's have a, a show of applause. Yeah. Yes, 81 years old today, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas turned 81 years old today, and he is a legend in golf. He is a legend in uh, golf architecture, and a legend in ice cream as well. I would love to have some Jack Nicholas ice cream. Anybody know where that could be found? Probably in Florida somewhere. Um, hey, Jack, give me some of that ice cream. Anyway, um... <laughs> Your show doesn't end up for Jack. Anyway, uh, I, 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 I saw a video today on Facebook where the PGA Tour put together a series of shots where Jack Nicholas was hitting driver, irons. Uh, it was just him teeing off basically on holes during his career. And it was 81 of them. And it was unbelievable. You had stuff from like 1966 all throughout the 70s, throughout the 80s, and the 90s when he was on the, on the senior tour and, and into, the, uh, into the 2000s. And it was just unbelievable seeing all those shots. And you could just see, you know, Lee Trevino talked about how high Jack Nicklaus could hit the ball. And you could really see how he could get the ball in the air. And it was just amazing. You know, flying elbow and everything, and just every single time he made contact, it was just awesome. I loved watching that. And another thing I watched this week was Jack Nicklaus's shot in 1972 at the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach on the 17th hole, where apparently the uh, the myth or the legend goes is that when he took the club back, he was going to push it or he was going to pull it. Sorry, pull it to the left. And his, t I've heard him say that his timing was so great that week. Was uh, his timing was so great that week that he could figure out that coming down, you know, on the downswing towards hitting toward the the strike zone, he was able to adjust his sort of wrist position or something like that, where it wasn't going to pull all the way left, so it probably just opened up just a tad. This was a one iron in probably gale force wind. And if you ever see the video, there's there's footage of the ball sort of drawing. Uh, it's like he hits the ball. I mean, it was a different era where the uh, where the ballada was had you know more of a squarish kind of dimple pattern on the ball, and it was it was different. It was a different time. The shafts were different. The forged heads were different. The balls were different. The turf was different. But uh, just the way the ball flew through the air on that shot was just unbelievable. And then it hits the flagstick, and it lands. It hits probably the middle of the flagstick, and then just it just lands maybe an inch, maybe two inches from the hole. It was just unbelievable. 
And and from uh, listening to Mr. Bob Friend from my last uh, podcast, he made a post regarding Jack Nicholas's birthday, and he could just say that uh, he had a story where he played with Nicholas uh, one time, and uh, Jack could just turn it on. He could just he could turn it on at the drop of a hat, and and you couldn't do anything about it because he was in the zone. He knew how to focus. He knew, I mean, he birdied, they played 18 holes or something like that, and he birdied, like, 13 through 18 on this course that they were playing, and and unbelievable. Just, you know, I guess the, the bet was to pay for, the winner pays, or no, the loser pays for the winner's caddies or something like that. The loser pays for the caddies. And that was an unbelievable story. I'd love to hear Bob talk about that. Anyway, if you haven't heard the Knackered Golfers podcast before, uh, Bob Friend, my interview with the former PGA Tour professional Bob Friend was amazing, and uh, one of the one of the rare honors that I have doing this podcast was just to be able to talk to him. He's a member at Oakmont Country Club in Pittsburgh, and he he knew Arnold Palmer better than any of us, and uh, he had he had a bunch of stories, and he also lived in Mister Rogers' neighborhood as well, so. Check that out if you're interested. I also have a few other interviews. Tim Havoncheck was my very first golf coach, and he's an amazing interview. He wrote a book called Heaven's Nice, Been There Twice, and it was about his near-death experience. And uh, I love Tim. He's uh, a great man, and I love him to death. He's um, one of my dear friends. And also we have an interview that I had with uh, Greg Hansen, Sorry, you know, Mark Hansen, sorry, from uh, from Minnesota, who is who is focused and determined to drop his handicap a few strokes. He's got a simulator in his shop. He's got a putting green in his shop. And his hobby is to refinish uh, uh, sort of, you know, classic golf clubs to to hang on your wall or if you want to use them on the course again you know he's he's learned that all he's learned that trade all by himself i had my uh interview with uncle mike uh last week i mean last weekend was an amazing sort of weekend for me because i had i had like all these podcast episodes lined up and i had guys waiting on the phone to talk to me over uh, about golf i had one interview for for each day of the weekend or something like that. I had, gosh, I had, um, anyway, I had like, I, and then the week before I talked to a gentleman named Jim Higginbottom from, uh, from St. Louis County, Missouri, Fenton, Missouri. And he has a story about his hole in one with his Titleist T 100 S irons. And then uh, he had a hole in one. He he went to the the 1992 and 2018 PGA at Bell Reeve in St. Louis. Um, check that out. And then there's the interview I had with Danny King from uh, the village of Ealing in London, England, and he was a great interview. Just talking about how uh, how the UK and England is basically shut down because of COVID right now. And nobody's allowed to do anything. You can't go outside. You can't go to the golf course. And and one question to uh, Danny, if you hear this, I was watching a Rick Shields uh, video this week, and I'm wondering how does that guy get to go to the golf course and nobody else does? 
just a just a question, you know. You know, Danny said that that if you're in Scotland, you can go to the golf course, but I don't know. Is is Rick Shields in Scotland? I don't know. He might be in. Uh, I don't know. He might be in Birmingham or something like that. I don't know. But uh, anyway, check those episodes out if you get the chance. I wanted to share today that um, I had a really cool interview. Sorry, uh, I got a few guys lined up for interviews that, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get them to commit. So it's like, no, it's like, no, nah, it'll probably happen pretty soon. Hopefully I got a guy, I, I have a, a, a ping expert that I really want to interview. And, uh, he is, uh, a breath of ping lore knowledge that, that, that everybody should listen to. And I can't wait to talk to him. Um, I'm not going to give him his name, but, uh, anyway, I'm going to give him a shout out. I'm going to give him a shout out and not say his name. So, Hey dude, you know, we're going to talk soon. You and me are going to talk soon about ping clubs and ping lore, ping putters. But, um, and then there's another chap who, uh, owns a Ferrari Testarossa that's down in Florida. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, Hey dude, give me a call when you got a minute. Um, Anyway, what else do we got? Well, I was at the Played Against Sports this afternoon. You know, my son uh, didn't require to be picked up this afternoon from school. And so I had a little bit of extra time for Dad to go to the golf shop and just tinker around with stuff. I found some cool clubs. I um, Oh, a little update on the, uh, the TaylorMade 4-Wood that I uh, took to the range last week. And, and it broke on me after I was using it. Um, uh, refresh the vocal cords there. Um, I, uh, I decided that the shaft that I had it was a what's called a bore-through shaft. It's a dynamic gold X100 shaft. And I thought that I could, I could uh, use, the use the shaft in this uh, old-school tailor-made uh, burner four-wood. I had a pretty good session with the club. Um, I was hitting it okay. I think that, um, I think it would have been better. I think obviously would have been better if the glue job was better and if it was more, you know, proper and, you know, specialist and all that stuff. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of glad that I did it myself because the next club, I, I'm going to use that shaft on another head. I have an old, um, it's a it's a Callaway Great Big Bertha five wood. It's a it's one of the old titanium uh, heads. That's that's actually a five wood that I took to uh, Mr. Doug Otten to uh, to to properly epoxy for me, and I'm waiting for that to get ready so I can take it to the range and um, and make a video about it. Um, I'm looking forward to that, um, but we're going to have some rain this weekend. We're going to have some rain this coming week, which is okay, which is good. Northern California, we need the rain. That way more brush grows and more brush gets on fire and we all bring this and we all breathe the smoke, you know, in the fall and summer. So the more smoke we breathe, the better off we are. So that's what I have to say. Anyway, um, what else was I talking about? So I went to Walmart this week. I needed to get some, I mean, for those of you non-Walmart aficionados, uh, forgive me. I have to go to Walmart because, you know, I, I'm pretty simple and I'm not really eccentric. Uh, maybe, maybe in some other ways, I don't know, but 
my taste in clothing is pretty simple. So I wanted to get um, I wanted to get a few T-shirts, and I needed to get a uh, a new pair of jeans. So I wandered over to the golf area in Walmart, and I was surprised to see. Oh, excuse me, I'm twirling the ball, and it just bounced off my mic stand. I was uh, walking around over to the uh, to the golf area, and they have this this area at Walmart that has golf balls, it has golf gloves, it has golf bags, um, it has golf hats, and you know whatnot, golf practice aids or whatever. I went down to one of the center or one of the end caps or whatever they're called, and I saw a Vice golf uh, sort of carry uh, cart bag for like two hundred and fifty dollars. This is a Vice golf bag that Eric Anders Lang would just love because he's a, a huge Vice golf guy. But I thought that was cool, you know, just to see that bag there. I'm like, wow, this bag is at Walmart. Do they have any Vice balls? I mean, that sounded really weird right there. Vice balls. <laughs> Vice golf balls. I think, I, I mean, I want to try some of the, uh, I'd like to try the Vice ball if possible. Um, and, I, and apparently they sell them at my local golf course here at Diamond Oaks Golf Course in Roseville. Um, but I noticed that it's like, wow, this is a really sort of high-end specialist golf sort of product that they're selling at Walmart. And I was impressed. You know, 250 bucks. You know, hey, is that a bit much for a golf bag? Probably. It's probably uh, maybe one step below a tour bag, a, a tour staff bag. But what I really wanted to share was they had these golf balls there. And I saw these boxes. They had a silver box and a gold box. And they said Spalding on them. Now, Spalding, if you didn't know, is sort of a... Um, an ancient sort of sporting goods company that I don't think has been producing any sort of any any sort of uh, golf equipment since probably the the mid 90s and here I am at Walmart seeing that that Spalding is back making golf balls now I noticed that the balls were made in Vietnam because the, that's what the label said but you know what I'm gonna I actually took a picture of it and you know what let me uh, dig this picture out okay here we are the and and it has the logo it says all right the silver box is a three-piece urethane uh ball with tour level distance it's the spalding sd tour x and that's the uh the silver box and then you have the so maybe it's and it's and they were 18 dollars for a dozen and so um then we have the gold box that had, it's the tour level distance, the three-piece urethane, the Spalding SD Tour, you know, dozen golf balls. So maybe they're trying to emulate the uh, the Pro V1. I didn't actually take the ball out and bounce it on the uh, on the linoleum because I have a feeling that the Walmart balls have a special sort of piece of tape that prevents people from doing that. But I thought that was interesting, you know, Spalding. Spalding was a company that uh, had a grip on the golfing marketplace back in the 90s with the uh, the Tour Edition uh, golf ball that Greg Norman used. That was, I would say, uh, late 80s, early 90s, and, and that was before he uh, he went to Cobra Golf with the Max Fly golf ball. 
the Maxly Turbolata, but he had a lot of success, or sorry, a lot of not so much success because that tour edition would spin off the green so many times he couldn't stand it. You know, he would have won. Would he? Would he have won more majors if he didn't use that t- that tour edition ball? I don't know. It was the first. Um, I mean, you certainly had the top flight, the top flight Spalding balls that were prominent back then. They were range balls. They were sort of so-called. They were sort of beginner sort of golfer kind of balls. They were the rocks. I heard a. Uh, I was. I heard a senior tour guy say, uh, yeah, those guys are using those rocks over there. You know, the top flight rocks. You know, the top flight Zibalata. You remember that ball? Oh, that was such a cool ball. It was a rock. It was a rock similar to the uh, the Tour Edition. But, I mean, I thought that ball was cool. Man, I haven't thought of that Zibalata for a long time. And, and Lee Trevino used to use it. Him and Payne Stewart and Al Guyberger, all those guys. That was mid nineties. That was like nineteen ninety four or something. And when Payne Stewart went to Spalding, he was with Wilson and he used the the top flight. I'm sorry, the Titleist Turbolata, which was a uh, wound ball. And then he was using the uh, top flight uh, Zibalata. Uh, while he was using the top flight tour irons. And so he went from a forged head to a cast head. And the year that he went to those top flight tour irons, he didn't do anything. He didn't win anything. I don't think he won. I don't think he won anything on tour or did well in the money list. But um, but I guess when he almost won the 1998 U.S. Open at the Olympic Club, he was... He was he was pulling a uh, or he was using a, a top flight staff bag, but I don't know, I don't know what irons he was using back then. But I mean, the year that I saw him, I saw Payne Stewart at the Buick Invitational one year at Torrey Pines, and he signed a program for me. And this was like 1995 or something. And man, Payne Stewart was so cool to see him. I saw him there. And I saw him at the Nissan Open at uh, Valencia Country Club. It was in 98. That was the year that Tiger was beaten by Billy Mayfair. And uh, Payne Stewart was using this, uh, this top flight Intimidator driver that was sort of a dark blue and sort of yellow uh, labeling on there. But anyway, back to San Diego. I asked him, hey, were you using... So I saw him using a forged head... Um, somewhere, and I said, "Are you? Were you using the top flight uh, forged irons, the blades?" And he says, "Yes, that's what I was using." And I got it right. You know, nobody else guessed it, but I mean, you know, big deal. Hey, I got Payne Stewart's autograph, but he was so cool. But I mean, he was nice. You know, I was just like, I, I didn't feel like I could take the conversation further because he was signing other people's autographs. But um, yeah, he was using those uh, top flight tour irons and. So, sorry, top flight, top flight tour blades or top flight forged blades, and I remember seeing, and I thought that they were the same irons that Lee Trevino used back when he was on the senior tour, because I saw Trevino at the Rayleigh Senior Gold Rush probably in like 90, 92 or ninety three, and he had the red Spalding bag and he had the uh, the top flight golf ball and he was pushing top flight, top flight, top flight, and. Uh, 
man, that was cool. You know, I thought him and Payne St- I thought those irons were the same or sort of, you know, similar. You know, they were the top flight forged blades. And so, you know, Payne Stewart was always a forged guy. He was never a, 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 a cast sort of game improvement iron guy. You know, he they did they marketed the hell out of that. They had commercials with Lee Trevino, Al Guyberger, and Payne Stewart, and he's like and Payne was like, I don't like to practice that much. And they were putting the balls in their mouth and spitting them out, you know, like popping popping the ball out. It was really man, they marketed that a lot. And uh, and they had a contest back in ninety four. They had can you pick the winner of the nineteen ninety four PGA? And they had a um, they had this thing where you fill out a form, you send it to Chicopee, Massachusetts, and they select your name. But the only bad thing about it was Nick Price won the PGA at Southern Hills in 94. And I remember years, it could have been months later that I got a letter from Spalding saying, sorry, you know, over over 5,000 people picked Nick Price to win the PGA, so you, so you can't win. You didn't win anything. You didn't win a set of top flight tour irons. And so I was like, oh man, that sucks. But anyway, where was I going with that? The Spalding, the Spalding brand has a new golf ball and they're selling it at Walmart. So if you, if you go to Walmart, you might see a set of Spalding golf balls that are trying to compete with the, uh, Titleist Pro V1 that are, they're half the price I don't know what they are. I, I, I didn't I didn't bounce them on the ground or anything. But um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. So and anyway, another topic. Let's go to another topic. Let's go to a caller here. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. Yeah, you think that's the you think that's a problem? What do you think? You you really think so, huh? Anyway, yeah, go, good riddance. Anyway, um. Hey, hey, keep it down in there. Anyway, I'm trying to trying to occupy my mind on something else. So um, what else was I going to talk about? I was listening to the No Laying Up podcast today, or sorry, a couple days ago, and they were talking about some players use two drivers. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. You need to play with two drivers when you're playing golf now? I mean, for one thing, guys have... Four wedges in their bag, a 52, oh, I have, I have a 52, a uh, 56, I have a 50, eh, no, I have three, no, I have a 48, I have a 48, a 52, a 56, and a 60, okay, four wedges. The only thing you're supposed to keep in mind is that you're only supposed to have 14 golf clubs in the bag, that's that's from what I know. That's from what I heard. You know, Ian Woosnam was leading the British Open, and he had too many clubs in the bag. And I think he had two drivers in there. And he had to throw one of them out, and he had like a, a maybe a one-shot or two-shot penalty on that. And that was, he got a, he, he bollocked at his caddy after that. He got a big bollocking, and he, he probably won't do it again. That's what I heard. Anyway... So No Laying Up was talking about, guys, you know, why don't many tour players have two drivers? I mean, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Or wouldn't it? I think that for 
for as, as much money that goes into the golfing industry right now, why the hell would you need two drivers? They got drivers that will adjust your swing, you know, in during the swing, on impact, whatever. You just adjust one of these Allen wrench keys and you're good, you know. But it's like you have a, a driver set up for a cut and you could have a driver set up for a draw because... You know, courses, yes, they do have different size, sort of. They did. They do have different orientations on golf holes. I mean, that's the whole mystique of golf, is that you're supposed to be able to swing the driver. You're supposed to be able to hit a draw, and you're supposed to be able to hit a fade to be successful on these holes. Now, I mean, if, if people are going to spend $1,000 on two drivers... You know, you know, more power to them. You know, your your son might need a new pair of shoes. Your wife might be driving a, a bucket to work every day. You know, go ahead, get two drivers. You know, you you might have you might only be able to afford ground turkey for dinner. You know, yeah, go ahead, get two drivers. Get two drivers. Do you live in California? You have to pay. Uh, I'm not going to go into that, but um. Why the hell would you need two drivers? That sort of pisses me off that the companies would say to the golfing public, hey, you could have two drivers in your bag. That way you could be able to fade a shot on one hole and draw a shot on another hole. That seems a bit, that seems a bit much to me. I'm not going to spend 500 more dollars on another driver just so a company can make a little bit more money. I mean, this is the knackered golfist, and I'm I'm a golfist on a budget, and I'm only going to use one driver. And I used to have one of those tailor-made R7s, the one that uh, that started the revolution of weight distribution in a driver. I did that. I tried it, and it was a it was rubbish. You know, I I I bought one of those R7s, and the shaft the shaft wasn't good, so I put a new shaft in it, and it was still rubbish. And so I, I gave up, you know, I, I, what's wrong with putting a little bit of lead tape on the back of it? What's wrong with that? You have, you know, the, the driver is set up where you, you got to hit it on the sweet spot, you know, hit it straight, hit a fade or hit a draw and go to the range and work on those shots. That's what I would say. You don't need, you don't need all this extra money. You don't need more clubs in your bag. You already have all this extra stuff that you don't need. You got hybrids. You got 64 degree wedges. I mean, why do you need all that stuff? You don't need two drivers. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. And, you know, if you're if you want to if you want to work on your game and if you want to get better as a golfer, just stick with one driver in my opinion. So, um, that way your son might be able to get braces when he needs them. Or you might be able to afford that next car payment for your new car that you got a couple weeks ago. I didn't. Uh, but anyway, you know, two drivers, you don't need them. You don't need them. Just use one and you're fine. Or get to know, you know, put a one iron in your bag. Huh? What about that? Get a one iron really impress your golf buddies that like, Hey, you know, Hey, I can hit a one iron. What? That's the, that's the true way of being a better golfer. Can you hit a one iron off the tee on a short par four? Can you? That's, 
that is something that's impressive to me. If I see another golfer that I, I have never seen anyone else do this other than a tour player back in the day. But, I mean, if you whip out a one-iron and you hit a, a, a one-iron shot off of a short par four, you are my friend, and I respect your choices. I respect your game. I respect that your willingness to get better. You are a dedicated golfer. And you are somebody that isn't pretentious. So thank you. Anyway, what else was I going to talk about? Um, two drivers, Jack Nicholas, Spalding Golf Balls, my four wood update from the range. Oh, yes, yes. So tonight, tonight I went to a Play It Again Sports in my local area and um, I found something very very interesting I found what I thought was a very very good feeling ping answer putter and so I already have a ping answer putter but apparently not all ping answer putters are the same because you have a company that has been putting out these putters for eons and eons and eons since the mid 60s there was something about this ping answer putter that I couldn't put my finger on. I mean, I could put my finger on, but the difference in the two putters... See, they, they had two ping answer putters on the shelf. One of them had the regular sort of ping, uh, the PP58 grip. The other one had one of these Stroker Super uh, Fatso grips on it. And I really think that um, the Fatso grip gives you a better sort of feel. It's more of a softer, more solid feel that you get in the head than you would the, the Ping uh, PP58 uh, grip. And I, I was like putting with this thing and it was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? This thing has been... This looked like it was in Scott for Plank's bag, or it could have been in Seve Ballesteros' bag, where it had been used for a very, very long time. It had been sort of, I don't know what the word is. I mean, when you when you see a, if you ever see a, an old golf club that Tiger Woods had, and you see the dime spot on the three wood, you see the dime spot on the pitching wedge, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Somebody who was really, really good at golf used to own this, and they departed with it. And it's in the shop now, and it's been there for probably at least two months, I would think. And um, I don't know. I think that this putter was so cool. I mean, I was like... They had a, they had a Cleveland by Design putter in there, too, that I tinkered with, and that didn't have... I mean, I used to be all into forged putters, um, like the 88. I mean, I haven't seen an 8802 for sale in a really long time. And I used to have, like, two of them, but I, I sold them. If I ever got get, my, get a chance to get an 8802 in my hand again, I'm going to take it. But I do have an Arnold Palmer, sort of the original Arnold Palmer, before Callaway made their own. This was, like, from the early 90s, I would think. It has the sort of the tan-colored leather grip that's on it that Arnold Palmer was known for. But see, this put, this Cleveland by Design putter was lighter. 
and it wasn't really it didn't have the 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 heaviness that the uh, the, the normal heel shafted putter has like a Ben Crenshaw kind of putter but contrast to that to this ping putter that I was trying I was I was like man this feels good it feels like it's like the edges on it are more rounded because it's been, it's been in play a lot more. It's, it seems like it's been taken care of. It's like if it had a bit of uh, of dirt on it, it was wiped off right away. It's like it's like when you see a tour player at the course and they have a set of rather old clubs and you just see how well they've been taken care of. They have the sweet spots in them. And they've just been hit in the same spot every, every, every time. And it's just so... It's like so cool. They're like it's almost like a sacred kind of piece that you're holding in your hand. And I was lagging this I was just lagging this ball up to sort of a rack that was holding other all these drivers in the shop. It was really short sort of carpet that I was putting on, but it's like, man, this feels so good. And it it, it felt different than my uh than my answer, which I have right here. You know, it had different sort of... It had a different stamp on the back. And so I texted my friend, who is a ping expert. And I'm like, hey, dude, is this putter special? And he's like, you know what? There are so many putters that ping made that are so special. And it's like, you come across one, you don't know what it is. There's not really any sort of scientific classification that ping putters go through. I mean, does it have this? Is it like, is it like rounded on the bumpers or is it, does it have that sort of zip code on it? Or is it, does it say stamped made in the USA on there is Karsten on the top of the, of the letterhead or whatever. You don't really know. You don't really know. And this one, Oh, you know what? Check this out. The one that I have has the sort of, older style label that um and the and the labeling on a ping putter is important too it says it says heel toe weighting or heel toe balance instead of the ping man on it so you know what it felt good but i think i'm, I'm gonna stick with my answer because it has an older it has an older shaft label on it so i'm thinking that this one may be from the early to mid 80s or maybe even the 70s because i mean the shaft is sort of knackered and so the shaft or sorry not the shaft but the shaft label it's, it's sort of like not really there anymore but it's got one of these uh wind uh jumbo light grips on it i'm gonna keep it and i think that even though that putter felt really good at the shop today i'm gonna uh i was reassured just now by looking at my putter because of the the older style shaft label. So anyway, I think I'm going to be able to sleep well tonight. And um, I really think that uh, even though it, sometimes you get the feeling that you're getting a really good club in a golf shop. And, and putting on carpet may feel good, but when you get it on the course, it's sort of different. Different sort of scenario. And then, um, what else? Oh, there was a kid who was looking at a, uh, a Seymour putter that was, he, that he, that he sort of felt good with. And, uh, I said, Hey, you make a decision on that putter. You going to pull the trigger on that? It's like, yeah, I know. I like how it feels. And, uh, I don't really know anything about it, 
but it feels good. And I'm like, okay, it's a Seymour putter. It's one of the, uh, it's sort of one of the other, um, how I say, uh, more, it's like a, they made a mallet version of it that looks like one of those old ping docks that has, it's like a, it, I mean, it's not as huge as the ping dock head, but it's sort of, sort of like a skeleton sort of, um, a, a skeleton sort of head on this putter with some, uh, with some inserts on the face. So he didn't know what Seymour was. And I'm like, okay, go home and and go to YouTube and watch a person named Zach Johnson. And he has used a Seymour putter for his whole career. And he didn't know that the red dot on a Seymour putter meant that you had to cover the shaft with it. You have to cover the red dot on a Seymour putter just so you can maintain your sort of circular arc. And that's the that's the whole deal with a red put with a red dot on a Seymour is that you have to cover it with the shaft and that'll supposedly make you a better putter. And so I told him, hey, go home and watch Zach Johnson putt with his Seymour putter, and he's had it his whole career. He won the Masters in 07, and I think he won the the well, he won the British Open at St Andrews, and I can't remember what year that was for some reason. Anyway, anyway, I think, uh, gosh, what am I up to? Holy smokes. 37 minutes? Good golly. Anyway, we're going to have a little bit of rain this weekend. It's going to be a little cold out there to my Lloyd Lindsay Young fans. I love that guy. And um, I'm going to think about a little bit more golf. And uh, I uh, I appreciate the following that I'm getting on, on, the, uh, on the old YouTube with the Knackered Golf uh, videos. I have right now. I have 172 subscribers, and I hope to. I hope that uh, you're interested in becoming a subscriber to the Knackered Golfist on YouTube. And if you like this podcast, let me know. Shoot me something. Go to my uh, YouTube channel, the Knackered Golfist. Make a comment on one of my videos, and you know, if you want to talk to me over the phone or something like that, we can do that as well. Because. Any person that enjoys golf as much as I do is my friend and I'd like to talk to. I'd like to, I want to, I want to talk to people. I want to talk to more people about golf and I appreciate the sport and it's, it's something that helps me get through my day and uh, I love golf. I love golf history. I love golf clubs. I love, you know, talking about, talking about golf clubs and the pedigree of golf clubs, where they came from, you know, when were they designed how are they made? You know, watching videos of of forged golf clubs being made at Mizuno or Miura or Ping casting their clubs, whatever. I want to know about it, and I and I love it. So, anyway, thank you. Have a great weekend. This has been the Knackered Golfers Podcast episode. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Never wear your golf shoes on the practice green and keep it relevant out there. Good night. Four, please. The Naked Golfist now driving.